is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. So happy to, to introduce to you our guest speaker today. Uh, we haven't, you're our first guest speaker all year, Dr. Ed Stepser here in a moment. I'll introduce you to him. And uh, about a year and a half ago, Beth and I, it was a Saturday night, and we were just across the street at Mimi's Cafe. And we were talking, and all of a sudden, I whispered across the table to Beth, I said, there's Ed Stetzer. And she leaned over and whispered back, Who is he? <laughs> Since that time, Beth has followed, as many thousands of people do, followed Ed on his Twitter and his blog, and she has great affection for him from afar. Uh, but that story illustrates... Why are you laughing at me? Is that a really, I guess that was a really weird way to put that. But uh, that's, that story illustrates something, something that uh, those of us who are pastors uh, have really looked to Ed Stetzer for his research, his encouragement. Uh, he's spoken already just this very year in some of the most prestigious churches in America. Rick Warren's church, Mark Driscoll's church, uh, was an interim pastor at First Baptist Hendersonville and Two Rivers Baptist. But what I love about Ed is that he loves the local church and he loves pastors and he treats a pastor of a very small church the same as he would the most famous prestigious pastor. And I know personally that later on this year he's scheduled to preach at a friend of mine's church that just has a handful of people. And so I think that's just a great sign of where his heart is. And he's been a blessing to me. I'm getting to know him on a personal level through this uh, this experience we're having this weekend, and uh, I've enjoyed that very much. Would you please join me in welcoming Dr. Ed Stetzer? Well, thank you, and I appreciate to have a great affection for you too. And uh, a little creepy there, but uh, nonetheless, um, <laughs> but good to be here. And uh, what, what, what Aaron didn't tell you is we got to this week. Uh, we hung out at uh, down in uh, Nashville. Uh, Rick Warren came into town, and uh, you know the pastor of uh, Saddleback and a small struggling church there in California, and uh, and and Aaron and I got to meet and hang out with uh, with Rick. About twelve pastors gathered together, so that was kind of fun. So we got to do this. So Rick, first thing he says, Aaron, I I need your advice. And so he spent the, you know, Aaron kind of spoke into Rick's situation and hopefully you know gave some church at Indian Lake advice to that church out in California. And uh, but no, we did get to spend a little time with him and <clears throat> appreciate so much the opportunity to be here. I love uh, I love Hendersonville, I love Sumner County, and I love your church. Here's why. Because actually every day, your ch- I drive by, when I go to work, I drive by your church, I see it, and I, and I can pray for it. And so I always see it, I love your church. And so it's, it's, this is my first time inside, but I actually know some of the people in the church because I live here in, in town, and, and so to be able to, to be here is a real privilege. So thank you, Aaron, for the invitation and for the privilege to be here today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Peter chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, well, um, repent and look on what somebody who does. And First uh, Peter chapter 4 is going to be our text today. I want to look at this issue, the issue of, of getting all God's people involved in God's mission is what we're going to look at today. This is something I'm passionate about. And one of the reasons is, is I love pastors. And, and, and so I have the privilege. I write, I write books for pastors. I train pastors. That's kind of what I do. Um, another reason is, is I love the church. Ephesians 3.10 says, God has chosen the church to make known His manifold wisdom. It's the tool, it's the instrument, it's the vessel that He's using. I love the church in Indian Lake because God's going to use this church, is using this church, and is going to continue to use this church for His agenda and His purpose. But at the same time, this passage challenges me 
Because what it describes is not what I see in most churches. It's not what I see in most churches in Sumner County. I've had the privilege of preaching a lot of different churches in Sumner County. It's not what I see in most churches in Sumner County. It's not what I see in most churches in the United States or the world. And so when I see this passage, it really encourages me. Well, Hebrews 10.24 talks about provoking one another to love and good deeds. It provokes me to think, what must we do to live like the Scriptures teach in our churches? And so I want you to look with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 8 down through 11, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump into the text, right? It says this, beginning of verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, Above all, keep your love for one another at full strength, since love covers a multitude of sins. It, it reminds us, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, his speech should be like the oracles of God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength God provides, so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me. Father, speak to us through Your Word. Shape the way we think about ministry and mission based upon Scripture, not upon our observation. Based upon what You teach us and how You lead us not always based upon our practice. Help us to line up our practice with your word so that your name and your fame would be more widely known. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This passage speaks to the need for us to get, see, all God's people engaged in God's mission, for you and for me to be engaged in God's mission. Now, I'm, I'm not a pastor right now. Um, I'm, I'm a I've had the privilege of serving as pastor at several churches and have uh, been in interim some churches here since I moved to the Na- to the uh, Nashville area three years ago. Um, but but right now I'm not a pastor, so I'm 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 like you. I'm not a pastor. So Aaron's a pastor. David's a pastor. We have pastors here, and we're thankful for them. But this passage is not solely about pastors. It's actually about people. But part of now, not that pastors aren't people, just in case you were wondering if I was making the distinction. No, no, but sometimes we think that they're, they're more uh, like Superman. They fly in on a cape and visit the sick and minister to the hurting and, and do it. But the reality is, is that we have created a, a bit of a distinction in the way we think about ministry that I think is unhelpful that I want to maybe deconstruct some today. For example, typically we see three levels of the Christian life in most churches. At the very bottom level in most people's mind is uh, lay people, right? That's, well, that's you, right? That's, at the moment, that's me, right? So, so we're not pastors, so our job is to, and they're called to the ministry, we're lay people, our job is to, well, lay around. That's our job is just kind of lay around, because we're lay people. Our job is to, uh, is to pay, pray, and get out of the way, so the people who are called to the ministry can do the work of the ministry. Well, what I want to caution you is, is that's the way a lot of people think. That's the way I think most Christians think. Now, maybe your church is different. I've never been here before, so anything I say, you can say he's talking about the other churches. But let's say, just for a moment, hypothetically, that most of the people in your church, because I can tell you statistically, I've studied 7,000 churches in a study we just published, statistically, in most churches, most of the people are not engaged in any form of mission and ministry. They are passive spectators rather than active participants in the mission of God. And so in most churches, you've got three tiers to the ministry. The very bottom is lay people. That's you. Then there are people who are, who are called to the ministry. You know, Aaron and David and others, and those two I know, and there may be others as well. But, but they're called to the ministry, right? They are on staff of the church, so they're paid to be good. You are good for nothing, right? Do you get that? Okay. 
And so, so you got the very bottom level, right? And then a level above that's called to the ministry. But then there's a level above that, and that's people who are called to missions, right? They're a little better. I mean, Aaron's good, but you get a missionary in here, and they're wearing those funny clothes, and they just ate a bug. I mean, there's a certain sense that there's a level above them. And, and, but here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want you to hear. This scripture and others blows up that idea because the Bible teaches that all God's people are called to the ministry and all God's people are sent on mission. The only question is where and among whom. So as I live here in Hendersonville, I'm called to the ministry and sent on mission. But so is my wife. So are my believing children. So are my neighbors who've trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. We're all called to the ministry. But something has happened where most people in most churches are passive spectators rather than active participants in mission and ministry. We even have a, a nickname for this. We call it the 80-20 rule. Right? And the 80-20 rule is that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And it's true in the, in the, in the PTA. It's true in the Lions Club. It's true in whatever. But what I want you to say is it should not be true in the church. Because the scripture teaches something else. It says that we're all going to have gifts, and that's what I want us to look at today. But before we get there, we have to get some introductory matters. Because the passage in verse 8 tells us this. It says, it says above all, verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 4, keep your love for one another at full strength. There's, this is not something that happens naturally. right? What happens naturally is that we like to sit. I naturally like to sit and watch television. That's natural. But I want you to know I exercise a lot. I know what you're thinking. You're doing it wrong. But I actually, I exercise a lot. I've actually lost 100 pounds over the last two years through exercising and eating different. And so I've lost a backstreet boy over the last couple of years. So I, I know a little bit uh, about this. And, and I'm no, I got a long way to go. I'm no expert. I'm not giving advice. But what I want to say is, is that this, this verse in the original language in the Greek that it was written, it, it implies that working like at full strength is like an athlete. If you're going to, to keep your love for one another at full strength, it's going to take practice and exercise. Now, this is written to Christians. If you're not a believer here, I, I don't want you to come here and think, well, Ed's going to tell me to get busy and I'm going to start volunteering for things. I want you to do that, but, but I don't want you to do that if you're not a believer. Why? Because you might think you're coming here to turn over a new leaf when what you need is to receive new life. And when, new, when you live out that new life, then you'll, you'll be involved in mission and ministry. But the reality is, is that most of us here this morning, if, this, if, if our church is a typical, uh, a statistical, similar to others, most people here, as in most churches in America, are actually unengaged in mission and ministry. And so what do we got to do? Well, we need some exercise. Well, I'm hoping we might do some of that today to encourage us in that direction. It says, keep your love for one another at full strength, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. So we're told to love one another. Through, and at full strength, to be hospitable, and then we're shown how to, to exercise that love. And that's what I want us to look at today. I want to look at four things through this passage. Four things through this passage from 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want us to walk through them together. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. Number one, the first thing is this, is that all have gifts. Everybody here who names the name of Jesus, who's been born again, who's, been, who's received new life in Christ, you have been gifted spiritually. You have received spiritual gifts or gifts. So you've received these. So, so all, everybody has gifts. Let's look at what it says in verse 10. It says, based on the gift they have received, duh. I want you to notice the past tense. I received, duh. I sound like a preacher. I'm not trying to. Uh, based on the gift they have received, duh. Uh, but, but, 
What it says is, it, I'm trying to emphasize the past tense. Remember, this is written to Christians. So uh, when, you, when you were born again and spiritually gifted, based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It says everyone. Now, everyone. You know what that means? I looked that up in the original language to impress you with my knowledge of Greek. You know what it means in the original language? Are you ready? Here's very important. You get this. Are you ready? Everyone. So you see, we hear, we see that and we think, well, maybe it doesn't mean everyone, because surely it can mean everyone, because that's not what we see. The typical church is filled with passive spectators rather than active participants of the mission of God. And yet here it says, everyone should use their gifts to serve others as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So there's some, something's wrong. Something is broken through the, between the teaching of the Word of God and the practice of most churches. And I think it's the practice of most churches, not the teachings of the Word of God that's broken. Because Scripture says that everyone should use it, and yet the majority of people in the majority of churches are not engaged in using their, mission in, uh, in using their gifts for mission and ministry. You say, well, I'm using them outside the church. Great. I, I count that. I think that's great. That's good stuff. Right? I, I know when we I recently did a spiritual gifts, uh, not a spiritual gifts, a, a ministry inventory at a local church. Um, here in here in Summer County, and when I went through that, um, we we gave we passed it out to everybody to kind of say where are they serving and and my wife wouldn't show up on that at that time on a list because she wasn't teaching Bible study she wasn't working with the children on a regular basis volunteering on time to time but her ministry was was every Tuesday she would go down and she was tutoring the children of undocumented immigrants, illegal aliens. She was tutoring in English as a second language the children of undocumented immigrants, sharing Christ with them and their families for hours every Tuesday. That, that's using your gifts. Right? It doesn't have to be at the, to the church of Indian Lake, but because we are the church at Indian Lake, then because of that we use our gifts inside and outside. It says everyone should use it to serve others. Now, everyone includes you. It's you, it's me. So everyone includes all of us. So all of us have these gifts, and we should use it to serve others. Now, others doesn't just mean each other. Now, I want you to serve each other. I want, I want, I want some, somebody which needs to be blessed to go teach the fifth and sixth grade boys. They may never be heard from again, but they need to be blessed to go teach the fifth and sixth grade boys. So, so that's part of it. But, but here it is. Everyone should use it to serve others. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it expresses the same thing this way. It says, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial, uh, what is for the common good. So I want you not to miss this, is that you and I have been gifted for the common good. So God has a plan at the Church of Indian Lake to minister to the body through you. He has gifted you. And yet, statistics are accurate. Now, now, and I believe in statistics. Listen, I work, I'm the president of Lifeway Research. Every time I quote a statistic, an angel gets its wings. So I like the statistics, right? But if the statistics are accurate, and God has gifted you for the common good, and the majority of people in the majority of churches in America are not using their gifts, then what that tells us is God has gifted you, and yet you are not using it for the common good. In other words... Your uninvolvement actually may be for the detriment of the body. Because God has a plan, and His plan is that we be connected one to another as members of a body, living on mission together. But the challenge is, is that sometimes people treat church more like a show that they attend than an activity with which they participate. Now, part of the problem is, is these buildings. I hate your church building. I just want to get that out in the open. 
I just want to welcome myself to your church, Aaron. Um, but I hate all church buildings, so don't misunderstand. It's not you. Matter of fact, of church buildings, this is a pretty great design. I mean, it, you know, it's, you got, you can see each other, it's got a nice round. I mean, this, this has got some, you got a good stay. I mean, this, this is nice. But the idea here is the way we design them. Now, I don't have an alternative, I just want to complain about the current situation. Because the way we design them is, is we have to, we have to get people in a room, right? There are hundreds of people, they come in, and, and what happens is, you know, you, they, you, you come in, and you line up in rows like shelves at Walmart. Lined up, facing forward, watching something. This looks like a theater, and so part of what it can breed in you and in me is passivity to become passive spectators who come to a show to be religious consumers rather than to be equipped to be mission-shaped disciples. Does that make sense? So, so, yeah, so last Sunday, I actually attended church for the first time in years. Well, I mean, I attend church every week, but I actually sat during a sermon and listened to somebody else. And I will tell you, um, it's, it's, it's nice out there, by the way. The seats are a lot more comfortable than standing up the whole time. But when I did, one of the things, I, it's, just, it's just like when, if I'm going to a show. As a matter of fact, it reminded me of, uh, I was the interim pastor at Two Rivers, which uh, you, you, probably, you probably read about Two Rivers, and what you read wasn't good. It was in the newspaper, it was on the news, a lot of, a lot of uh, bad reputation was built. Well, during the flood, God gave us the opportunity to, um, to really step up, to build, we, you know, the phrase we use at our, at our church there was, to build a new reputation for showing and sharing the good news of Jesus. Because we weren't hit hard in the flood. We had some rain damage, but, you know, Pennington Bend on the one side of our church was just decimated. And on the other side, Opryland, Gaylord, uh, the, 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 all, all that stuff over there was flooded. And so we got to, to minister and, and we got to, I mean, they had employee meetings at our church and from, from Gaylord. They had, um, we, we had a school move into our church on three days notice to, to, so, the, so the kids could graduate. We, we had all kinds of community meetings. We were, they were, Hands On Nashville was based out of our church. Samaritan's Purse was based out of our church so but something happened in the middle of that is i got a phone call and it was i didn't get a phone call when our staff did from the grand Ole opry now you've heard of the grand Ole opry right well i i you know i'm kind of new i i'm new to middle tennessee and i have to confess i'm actually a yankee and but i got here as quick as i could uh but uh but i said you know i was born and reared in new york just outside of new york city and so i uh uh someone clapped there must be a yank how many yankees do you have here yeah they, they're not ashamed like i'm loud i'll tell you i'm a yankee Let's see, you know, they, they've been telling us how to drive. You know how the Yankees are. The scariest thing in Middle Tennessee is another Yankee with a U-Haul. Uh, but here we are. Um, and thank you for welcoming us. But, uh, so, so they call up and they, and cause I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know country music. I just know that God can use any form of music for His glory and honor. There's no such thing as Christian music, only Christian lyrics. God can and does use any form of music except country western. And that's just, uh, I mean, He could use it, but He just chooses not to. Uh, and, uh, and so we get a call in the Grand Ole Opry. They ask, hey, we don't have a place to have a concert. Can we move into your church? Now, 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 really? I mean, I really? You're going to move the Grand Ole Opry into our church? And I sort of had to, I mean, we really had to pray about this. Talk to some friends. Think this through. Find out who the musicians were. Did a little research. Found out Charlie Daniels was a, uh, one of the musicians, which I thought couldn't be good, but then I found out he's a believer now. And, uh, and so, um, so, so, so we had him come into our church. But here's what was fascinating to me. To watch people. Now, mind you, imagine you're to church in the lake, the facility, and a, a, a secular concert venue moves into your church. 
And what happens is, is people come in. So people are paying to come into our church this Friday and Saturday. There's only two nights. I think they're back in September for two nights because they couldn't go down to the, to the municipal auditorium. But they're, they're just two nights. And what was fascinating to me was to watch what, it, what, what differences and what similarities there were between people coming into church on our church building on Friday night for a paid concert where they had assigned seats and people coming in Sunday morning. And here what I found was, was pretty interesting. What I found was is that there was a higher level of expectation for people who paid you know, maybe 100 bucks for a ticket. I mean, they were disappointed because somebody was seated in their seat. But I've seen a few times in church when somebody was seated in somebody else's seat. They, 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 you could tell that they liked some of the music, right? Watch them. They liked some of the music, and they thought, oh, I'm getting my money's worth here. But they didn't like some, maybe they have a, a singer who wasn't as good or a musician. And they, you could tell they're like, I can't believe I paid this money for this. And then I thought, I've seen the same kind of attitude in people sitting in church on Sunday. I didn't like that. That song didn't bless me. I didn't come to, to learn this song. Or they didn't sing the song that I liked. Or, or the pastor wasn't, wasn't funny enough. Or, or wasn't, you know, was too long today. And what happens is, is here's the challenge. I think in American Christianity that too often we have turned church into a gathering of religious consumers who are coming to get to consume religious goods and services in a way that they want it done. If they don't, they'll go somewhere else rather than a body of believers on mission and living on ministry together, coming together to be equipped so they can be not about themselves. And that concerns me. Because I see it here and you see it here in our own town. People are moved from church to church to get their religious needs met and because they're consumers of religious goods and services. And the end result is, is that they're not living on mission. And so this is why I believe that the majority of people and the majority of churches are unengaged in God's mission. They're passive spectators rather than active participants in the mission of God. Now, I'm in trouble because that's point one. I got three more. So let's jump in. Number two and three are this. Uh, no, number two. Right, All of gifts, number one. Number two, that God intends for all to use. God intends for all to use. Notice the word all again. It says in verse uh, 10 of the same passage, as good stewards or good managers of the varied grace of God. So we're to use our gifts to minister to one another, to others, to serve others inside and outside of the church as good managers of the very grace of God. And that word's translated steward or manager. And a steward is someone who doesn't own the property, but manages the property in the, uh, in the New Testament time. And so we're, we're again, we are, are, we have to recognize that God has gifted us and then given us to each other to be good stewards of the gifts we have. Now, my guess is if you're working hard, maybe you've been teaching a Bible study, maybe you've been helping with whatever it may be, children's ministry, you may have already tuned out of my message and said, well, I'm glad he's preaching on this, but he needs to talk to all the lazy people, and that's not me. Now, if you're one of the lazy people, I am talking to you. But what I want to say is, is that if you're part of this body, and you're engaged in mission and ministry, but if this church is like most churches, the majority of people are unengaged in mission and ministry, if you're like that, then I believe that part of the stewardship that you have is to other members of the body. Part of the stewardship that you have is, is to help them move from being passive spectators to active participants in the mission of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, God has placed the parts, 
each one of them in the body just as He wanted. So God has placed all the members of this body connected one to another. And so if one member is busy and the member next is not, we've got to move them into ministry and mission. So maybe you're not a passive spectator, but there are too many passive spectators. What's your role? To bring them alongside. To say it's not, it's not okay that we sit and do nothing after week after week and call ourselves followers of Jesus. It's not acceptable. I think we've made it acceptable in most churches for people to come to get blessed, but then they don't go out being a blessing. And I don't think we, we, we need to change the mentality, to change the way we think that it's okay to sit there week after week and do nothing and think you've been living a good Christian life. Jesus didn't call us to sit and watch. He called us to be, to do, and to tell good news. So, so we might join Him in this great commission, sh- sharing the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ and the great commandments, showing the love of Christ. He's called us to do those things. And so passive spectators are too normal in churches that the Bible teaches should be filled with active participants in the mission of God. Now, here's the challenge. Part of the challenge is, is that's why we have pastors to do all that work, right? We call them ministers. Yeah, there's, there's this phrase that sometimes we use. I use it sometimes. It's, it's people say, you know, when, when were you called to the ministry? People say, when were you called to the ministry, Ed? And I'll often answer between my junior and senior year in college, I, I began to feel called to the ministry to plant a church, and we ended up going to the inner city of Buffalo, New York, to start our first church. But what I want to say to you is I'm actually wrong. I was called to the ministry on August 13th, 1977, when Jesus saved me by the power of the gospel. Because he, he saved me, and then he called me to the ministry, because I'm not different than you. We're all called. I'm just called to a different role. We're all called to the ministry. We're all sent on mission. Jesus said in John 20, 21, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. We're all called to the ministry. We're all sent on mission. The only question is, where and among whom? And you are now sent to this part of this body to be called to the ministry through this body. Members. We use members as the term. Now, members is an interesting term because we think of it differently than the Bible explains it. The Bible, uh, the view of membership, is much more connectedness than ours. Our view of membership is, I'll join a church, and if they tick me off, I'll go somewhere else. I'll join a church. If it meets my needs, I'll stay. And many of us don't even join. Many of us don't even think it matters to be a part of it. What I want to say to you is this. The Bible description of membership is more like our medical description of members. Let me explain. Um, My guess is there are people here in this room right now that you are missing a finger or a toe. I don't want you to show us. I'm just saying that there are some of you who somewhere along your life have lost a, uh, you know what they call that? You've lost a digit. You've lost a member of your body. Let's call that, they call that being dismembered. Now, my guess is that was not your best day. Uh, maybe it was a lawnmower accident, maybe it was a chainsaw, whatever it was. My guess is that was a terrible day. Why? Because a part of your body that is necessary and really important for the function of the whole body was removed from the body. And, and that's the way the Bible talks about membership. We're supposed to be a body, members of one another, a body sent on mission, the church in Indian Lake, sent on mission in Middle Tennessee and the world, all of us connected to one another, but most churches don't look like a body of members, they look like a, a pile of dismembered body parts. People are unattached, uninvolved, not living, not being equipped by their pastors for works of ministry. So if we look at the Scriptures, all have gifts, right? Number two, God intends all to use. Number three, for which He empowers us. 
Let's talk about that. It says this, if anyone speaks, this is verse 11. If anyone speaks, his speech should be like the oracles of God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength that God provides. So what happens is, is that we end up with, with churches filled with people who are, who are gifted but unengaged, who are, who are called but are uninvolved. They're passive spectators rather than active participants in the mission of God. When the Bible says, not only do you have gifts, not only are you to be a steward of those gifts, He intends all to use, He empowers us for those gifts. Once you hear this, the power of the Holy Spirit is not so you could get charged up in morning worship. I encourage you to get your... I, I mean, I love, I love a good service of worship. But the power of the Holy Spirit over and over again leads us to action, not to simply feeling. In Acts chapter 1, it says, You shall see power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be witnesses. Here it says, it talks about two kinds. The speech should be like the oracles of God, supernaturally empowered. Service to be from the strength God provides. Service, supernaturally empowered. So the empowerment that's at work here is an empowerment for ministry and mission. And so, again, my question is this. Is your role to be a religious consumer of religious goods and services to watch... Or is it to do? Now, I want to remind you, this passage is written to Christians. I want to say to you again, that if you're not yet a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, the answer for you is not to say, all right, I've got to start getting busy. I've started getting work because Ed tells me I need to get to work. No, you don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need to receive a new life. But part of living that new life is to join God on ministry and mission. And too often, churches are filled with passive spectators rather than active participants in the mission of God. And, and I just think, because I, as having the privilege of being in all these different churches in Hendersonville, I love being in churches, different denominations and traditions, but what I want to say is one thing that almost all of us have in common is, is we've got too many spectators and not enough participants. Church is not a theatrical performance for you to watch. It's a team sport in which you join. And the pastors are the player coaches. So, so again, because remember, I told you how much I love pastors, and, but because I love pastors and I work with pastors all the time, I say to churches, what your pastor right now, he's not saying, boy, boy, you know, what Ed's saying is that Aaron would be out of work. Trust me, Aaron would not be out of work. David would not be out of work. You know what they'd be doing? They'd be doing what the Bible says they're supposed to be doing more than they're doing it now. Equipping God's people for works of service to the building up of the body of Christ. I have one imitation. It's from by a guy. I remember Ross Perot. I just say his name, people laugh. You know, he ran for president. We won a lot of votes. And he had this great voice. And I, I do this my little Ross Perot imitation, right? He always said, Larry, Larry's on a Larry King. Hello, this is Ross Perot. Look at this chart. The crazy ant in the basement. He always had these charts and these pictures. And I remember one day, and he was saying, it's really struck. This, this is like the church. And he said, so here's my Ross Perot imitation. I've got to do the ears. <clears throat> he had big ears. Has. He's still alive. Um, and he said this. He said, the problem with America today, <clears throat> the problem with America today is that there are too many people riding in the back of the wagon with just a few of us up front pulling it. And it hit me. That's the challenge in most churches today. You see, what, what a great church you have. It's got a good reputation in the community. I'm impressed with your pastors. Good, sharp pastors. Got wonderful worship. Great facility. You know, I mean, can, did, did you notice they're building stuff around you? I mean, all this. But part of the challenge, if you're like so many churches, I don't know if you are, maybe you're different, but if you're like so many churches, there are too many people riding in the back of the wagon 
with not enough out front using their gifts so that others... I mean, there are tens of thousands of people moving into your backyard. But if the wagon is filled with religious consumers who are coming for a show to be blessed rather than to be a blessing, rather than active participants in the mission of God, there's no room for anybody else. Let me give one more example. Did you see... Um, did you watch that Susan Boyle video on YouTube? How many of you watched the Susan Boyle video? Raise your hand. Yeah, you all, you know, and the rest of you, you need to get out more on the Internet. I mean, 200 million people have watched this. I have watched it like 17 times. My wife, I've watched this over and over again, watching Susan Boyle sing over and over again. My wife's like, who is this person you keep watching on the Internet? Who is this woman you keep watching? So we get a little nervous. But I just love Susan Boyle. She, um, she walks on the, Britain's Got Talent's the name of the show. It's kind of like American Idol with, Simon Cowell's on bolt. And she walks onto the stage, and you're thinking, this person doesn't fit on this show. She's a frumpy lady. She sort of gets up. She's not very articulate. They, when she walks up, she starts talking, and, and just as she starts talking, they, they, the camera kind of pans the audience, and there's this teenage girl out there, and she rolls her eyes with disgust. How dare this frumpy, unattractive lady get up in front of us? You just want to slap that teenage girl, but you don't, you know. And, and then they, they ask the Susan Boyle, some questions. Simon asked her a question about where she's from, and she stumbles through the answer of where she's from. She's not articulate. She's not attractive. And so finally, they ask, what are you going to sing? She's going to sing, I Dream a Dream from Les Mis. Uh, and so, okay, fine. They all look a little skeptical, and she starts to sing. I dream a dream in time gone by. And as she sings, she begins to hit these notes. And you can see they, they first show the judges. And the judges are like, whoa. And Simon actually smiles, which is a shocking moment in TV history. So it's like, whoa, we didn't see this happening. And then they start to say, they nod their heads. And then they go to the crowd. And the crowd's starting to applaud. You're like, wow, we didn't see that on the show, that girl who made that smirk. And she's like, wow. And, and they start to clap. And, and she starts, the notes get higher and higher. She brings it with more and more enthusiasm. And, and, and soon the crowd's on its feet. And they... As the crowd's standing, in the middle of her song, they're giving a standing ovation while she's singing, and the, and the camera shoots to two guys backstage, and one says to the other, you didn't see that coming now, did you? And they, and they go back to the, to the judges, and the judges are on their feet. They've lost all sense of, uh, you know, they're just, they're just cheering because nobody knew just how incredible. And she brings the song to a conclusion, and the, and the crowd just goes wild. And 200 million people watch it on YouTube, including me. Why? To the world, it's a shocking moment on YouTube. To the church, it should be what it looks like when people, unengaged, who maybe, maybe they can't sing. Maybe they're not the most attractive. Maybe they're not in... People think, well, they didn't have anything to contribute. But all of a sudden, they, their gifts are found and discovered and they're placed in mission and ministry behind the scenes or in front of the scenes, wherever it may be. Why? Because if anyone speaks, his speech should be like the oracles of God, empowered by God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength God provides. God is calling this church and all of His churches to take people who are passive spectators, help them to find and use their gifts and become active participants in the mission of God. I need to close. Number four, and finally. You know what it means when a guest speaker says, let me close with this, don't you? Absolutely nothing. Well, let's give it a try. Number four, and finally, to bring God glory. All right, number one, all have gifts. Number two, God intends all to use. That's you, that's me. Number three, for which he empowers us. Number four, to bring God glory. It says in verse 11, so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You want God glorified in the church in Indian Lake? You be engaged in God's mission and ministry, and His church will be the church. 
If you're already involved in God's mission ministry, find someone who's not and say, will you help me? And the end result will be churches that move from being filled with passive spectators to active participants in the mission of God. Then you say, well, well, what about Aaron? What about David? Remember, I love pastors. But I love pastors who are doing the sweet spot of what God's called them to do. You know what the Bible says? It's in Ephesians 4.11. It says, and God gave some to be pastors and teachers to do what? For the training of the saints, that's you, in the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we reach all unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. You want God to get His glory in His church? Here's what it is. Don't miss this, right? So, so what happens is this, is that, 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 that you are the ministers, your pastors are the administers, training and deploying you for mission and ministry, and boom, God gets the glory. The challenge is this. For many of us, we've become accustomed to be religious consumers, to being religious consumers. We come here because it's a great church. Because you got great worship, you got good preaching. Just, I mean, and, and, you know, and you know, you know, Aaron, Dave, you love them. But their role is not to meet the needs of everybody in your church and your community. It's our role as believers to join God on His mission, to be called and lived out in ministry, and to be equipped by our pastors so that God would get the glory. My question for you is, how's the Holy Spirit speaking to you about how you should respond to that call in your life today? If you're here this morning and you haven't trusted Christ as Savior Lord, the first thing for you is to cry out. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For you to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin, to trust Him. Don't say, I'm going to volunteer. No, 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 that's not for you. What's for you today is you need to respond to how Christ is working in your heart through forgiveness of sin. But if you're here today and you're a passive spectator, it's time to move from, from that passivity to that activity in the mission of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we... We thank you that in your goodness and your grace you have called us and redeemed us and changed us by the power of your gospel. Father, I pray that you might speak to us today. You might change us today. Maybe you're here this morning just as people have their heads bowed and their eyes closed and you, you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe in the quietness of this moment you need to do business with him and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Savior, my Lord, this day. I need to be born again, and I trust you for that today. If you just prayed that prayer, you've now been given new life in Christ. Now, for those who've already trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, but you've been passive spectators, religious consumers, maybe God has spoken to you this day, and you might say to him, Lord Jesus, give me wisdom, give me direction, tell me what's next. Maybe it's serving the hurting. Maybe not even necessarily involved through an extension of this church, but just because I'm joining Jesus on his mission to, to serve the hurting. Maybe it's teaching, working with kids, getting involved in worship leadership. If you're already involved in something, if there's someone God's laying on your heart today that you need to get plugged in with you, to invite, to serve alongside you, whatever it is, would you be obedient to respond to how Jesus is working in your heart today? This has been a Church in Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.